everyone. Thanks again for tuning into the Sins Workshop podcast. I hope you're all having a great and wonderful day. All right. So today we're going to be talking about Soul Swift by Megan Bannon. I have to say I was really impressed with this novel. I think it... <laughs> Sorry, I'm joined today by my son who is crawling around being adorable. Not terrible twos yet, but I'm sure we'll get there. <laughs> In any case, um, this isn't, once I, once again, you know, this isn't all I was really impressed with because I feel like it's very important um, for today's social climate. It's a fantasy. It takes place in a fictional world. But what I think is really impressive is how Megan Bannon deals with just unifying religion in a way. And I think it's really powerful how she kind of brings that concept to life with her storytelling. Um... You have Gala, who is a daughter of Oven, and she, part of being a daughter of Oven, she's not just a daughter of Oven, she's also a vessel uh, for the Holy Father to, you know, inhabit her body, and there's some magic to that as well. She can... Seeing Sanctus, which is pretty much scripture in this novel, and as she sings it, because it's intended to be sung, she, uh, I'm trying to say this properly, she imprints the, the feeling, the emotion of whatever she's reading onto the audience. So if she's singing about pain and suffering, they're going to feel it. She's singing about hope, you know, they're going to feel it. That's what I think is really impressive with this novel. But as a daughter of Oven, she is, you know, her head is shaven, her breasts are bound because she's taught to hide her womanness because the mother goddess of the Elathians is considered a demon. So the father represents death in this novel, and the mother represents life. I mean, I think we can all kind of understand where they're getting that concept from, you know. Women give birth, women live, you know, we tend to bring life. And then you have um, men, <laughs> men who uh, just sort of incite violence. Not to say women can't. Uh, I think we all know hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Just look at Hera. Um, but I think it's really impressive how Megan has brought to life this story. And that's what I think was really gravitating to me as a reader. I'm reading this story. I'm seeing it develop. Uh, when I first started it, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it. Because even if I mean, it, it's religion. <clears throat> I think religion is a very personal thing to tackle, and it can affect people in a different way when you are dealing with religion because it is so personal to readers. But what I think Megan Bannon does really well is she has created this fictional religion that any reader can relate to. You know, I was raised Catholic, but I'm not Catholic. Um, that was a choice um, my mother gave to me. She didn't want to indoctrinate me. She wanted me to learn about all religions. And I did. You know, I did have the privilege of growing up around people 
in Massachusetts um, who were all different religions. You know, I, I think I'm very pri privileged to have that. And, you know, growing up, I did further educate myself on um, other religious practices. So I decided no religion was right for me. And I'm Wiccan. I, I decided Wiccan, Wiccan is what I am. Um, so that's what I think is great about this story. You know, it can connect to any reader. It doesn't matter what your religion is. You don't have to be a specific religion to really appreciate the depth and the message that Megan Bannon is conveying here because you have the Ovenist and then you have the Elathians who are pretty much being, um, I, I guess you can relate it to the Crusades. If you were not an Ovenist, you were wrong and you were, you know, tortured until you converted or put to death, basically. I think you can kind of relate it to that, historically speaking. And I think that that's another thing that I really connected to and I really found really powerful. How both religions discover <clears throat> they are wrong. You know, Gala and Tavik, rhymes with Havoc. If you read the book, you'll understand. He says that a lot <laughs> regarding his name. I love him so much, by the way. And I'll talk a little bit more about the, ca the characterization. But Tavik, um, I mean, Tavik and Gala, they find a piece of scripture hidden away, and they discover the truth. You know, both of their religions are wrong. They were only given a piece of the truth, and it's what the people did with that piece of the truth. They kind of warped it to set their, to fit their personal ideals. And I think that's, once again, I think that is what is really relatable to today's society. Now, that's what I thought was really powerful about this book, because we don't know, and they say this a lot in the book, because these two characters, you know, Gayla and Tavik, they do bounce off of each other. They are friends. They do um, become really great friends. But they do, once they, they, they question each other's ideals. And the one thing that they say that I think is really important is they're like, well, how do you know you're right? And each of them says, I have faith. I think that's really important because they learn that both of their religions kind of lie to them to project their ideals. And yet they both learned they, that they couldn't lose faith. You know, they learn to keep the faith. And in doing so, they, you know, through lots of sacrifice, they eventually... Um, brought together both religions. And I thought that that was really powerful. I thought that was, it was such an uplifting note. I will say this, this novel did break my heart. Um, but in a good way, I love a good bittersweet story. If it's bittersweet, I think it's great. I, I do love a good bittersweet story that really resonates with the reader. Um, and I thought it was really bittersweet how it was telling the story. But even though it was really bittersweet at the end, there was just uh, this uplifting atmosphere to it that left me feeling hopeful. You know, hopeful for, you know, 2020 has been a pretty rough year for all of us. Um, I think we can all say that. 
A lot of us are probably still on furlough. A lot of us have gone to work, but have had their hours cut, such as myself. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm definitely feeling it. Definitely um, barely making ends meet here. <laughs> Thank goodness my husband has a pretty decent job, but... You know, I still have my own bills to pay. I'm not going to make him pay for all my crap. But I, I think we can all say that 2020 has been a pretty rough year for all of us. And it's really hard to kind of find those silver linings. But I think that's what's great about this book. That, you know, given all the... Oh, squirt. <laughs> doesn't matter how tough things get. Uh, I think we can always... We should try to find that silver lining and <laughs> and uh, find the hope in our lives. Um, what's wrong, kiddo? What's wrong? You know, my silver lining is, is my son and uh, my husband and this podcast. You know, I started this podcast uh, when I was on furlough to give myself something to do. And I have to say to all of you supporters, thank you. Uh, this podcast has really turned into something that I'm really proud of. And I'm still working on it. still trying to get better and better on it. But that's what I'm saying. This novel left me with that sense of hope. That there is hope for anything. There's always hope. We, we can't lose sight of the hope. Even when things look really sad and tragic. And like I said, this novel broke my heart. And then... The epilogue was just, oh, this great, this great moment of hope. And it really did resonate with me as a writer. I mean, as a reader. <laughs> so, that's how the story is. You know, I do think it's a really powerful story. I think it is a really uh, emotional story. I really do think it is a story that can relate to any reader. And I found that very powerful. This is definitely a novel worth book club reading you know it is a novel worth sitting down and discussing and talking about of uh, the character development and the storytelling you know the, this religious aspect to it now as for the characters they are amazing gala and tavik they're amazing they have the way they meet is really terrible <laughs> Um, he's brought in as a prisoner because he's an Elathian and she has to interrogate him. And then they're sort of, her body becomes the, the vessel for the mother goddess and uh, sends them on this great journey. Because they, they talk, they debate, and they become such great friends. They get to understand each other, they get to understand where each one's coming from, and I love that. But I love their development. You know, their dynamic strengthens. They become really good friends. They become best friends. Um, and I love that. I love the development of their characters. How they grow. How their minds open. You know, she was always taught to hide her womanness. And now she embraces it by the end. She's like, screw you. And I love that. <clears throat> I love how she stops letting herself be shamed for who she is. And I love that there is this sense of, I want to say, 
there's this sense of, of wonder to her because she does grow through questioning everything. She does grow through her emotions and dealing with everything and her whole life turned upside down. She does grow with this um, identity crisis. You know, she says to Tabak at one point, you know, my body is not my own. My body has never been my own. So she finds ownership in herself. And I think that that's a very powerful moment in the novel when she finds that ownership of herself. And as for Tavik, I mean, he's just kind of like really lighthearted, but really tough. You know, you really, this is a guy you don't want to mess with, but he's charming and he's funny. And I think he's incredibly charismatic. Um, and that is what I enjoyed about the novel. There, that's another aspect I enjoyed about this novel. I loved their character dynamic. Once again, when I picked up this novel and I started reading it, I, I was a little on the fence of whether or not I was going to enjoy it. But um, I ended up loving this novel as I just couldn't put it down. I didn't want to put it down. I just wanted to keep reading and reading it. And every time I had to go to work, I was like, Ugh, I don't want to go to work. I want to stay home and read my book. Um, so... I think it's amazing how the story has developed, how the characters grow. I love the fantasy aspect of it, especially near the end. It's absolutely, it's absolutely beautiful how <laughs> um, it's beautiful how the story. A <laughs> goo <laughs> it's it's great how this story has grown and progressed. What's so funny? And on that note, I think I'm going to get going now. Um, thank you all for tuning in to Sin's Workshop Podcast once again. I'm going to give Soul Swift 5 out of 5 stars because I really do think it is a story worth reading and discussing. And I do hope you got you all will purchase the book on bookshop.org. If, you, if money's tight, which... Yeah, believe me, um, if you stuck with this podcast enough, you know, uh, I feel you. Definitely check out this book from your local library. I would like to thank the publisher for giving me an arc of this book. Uh, you have no idea how much I appreciated it. And I really did love it. And on that note, I hope you all will continue... <laughs> to support Sin's Workshop Podcast by liking this podcast, subscribing to it, and sharing it with all your book-loving friends. Happy reading, everyone. Mm-hmm.